And now, ladies and gentlemen, the time has arrived for Top Sports Talk. This is WT for TST, and tonight we're honoured to be joined by Kieran Farrell. How are you doing, mate? Yes, good, mate. Good. How are you, Will? Very well, mate. Very well. Oh, mate. I'm not sure about the FA Cup, though. You've been, uh, you've been watching? You know, mate, I don't even watch the football, you know, but I'll be honest, I'm not, I don't know. I'm just I've just stuck the Sky Sports uh, Sky Sky News on right now um, to try and keep up with all this COVID stuff because I'm thinking about the kids getting them in the gym and that and um, I feel pretty bad like because they, they, they've been out for ages now you know what I mean and it's it's not good for 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 the growth of um, the boxers you know what I mean mate I don't know what I don't know what we talk about in terms of, of COVID and stuff mate because it's um, yeah. You know, like for one sport's okay, boxing's not. Ah, oh, mate. Well, let's not get into that yeah, just yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Let's get into this anyway. So, we've uh, we've asked you to come on because so we've done loads with uh, some boxers, uh, coaches, yeah. even an MC now. Now you tick loads of boxes, all right? So you're ticking yeah. the boxer, you're ticking yeah. the manager, you're ticking the promoter, you're ticking the matchmaker, yeah. and I just think yeah. actually, let's get you on. Let's have your story and let's see. Um, yeah. So yeah. it starts. We always start on TST with uh, with you, really, and, and trying to get to know you a bit better behind the gloves yeah. and your life. So your life started Haywood near Manchester. Yes, yes. That was like growing up, mate. So we grew up on a council estate. Um, me and my two brothers, um, my mum and my dad. Um, my dad was always out grafting, um, working hard, tarmacking, and. Um, my mum was at home with us three, and that must that must have been hard for her because we used to kill each other. And um, I actually was the one who was pretty under, so I was the one giving out the black eyes and that. And um, I, uh, yeah, I probably give a couple of people a black eye outside. So we got sent to the boxing gym when I was seven on my seventh birthday, and um, I loved it. I fell in love with it, but I just always wanted to be a bit different. So when everyone was saying that they played for a football team like the local football teams, I wanted to say that I'm a boxer, you know what I mean? So I uh, went to the boxing gym and um, I, I never really said I'm a boxer, but if they said to me, what, do you not play football? I'm like, no, nah, no, nah, I go boxing, you know what I mean? Um, so yeah, I went, I, I, I sort of went down that that road myself and then uh, it was always a hobby from age seven to age 15. It was just a hobby, but it, it was a hobby where I seen a future in, in it for myself because I remember in year five, which would have been, 10 year old the teacher said to me what are you going to be when you're older I was like well, I'm going to be a professional boxer and um, she went well what happens if you break your hands and that I said well I'll go tarmacking with my dad and that and um, she went, well you need your hands for raking and stuff like that and I said like uh, look if, 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 if I break my hands I said my dad will find me something to do I said like that anyway um, fast forward the tape I ended up becoming professional boxer winning essentially every title and I sent her, my teacher a postcard um, uh, cause, uh, a lad who was, a lad who, who I know was in the gym with, uh, who, who was in the gym with, he, he, he was working with her at the time. And he said, look, uh, uh, I, I did anyway, I got a picture signed it and sent it. So I said, look, I did what I said I was going to do. You know what I mean? So. <laughs> and then her face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She'll have known well, I'd, 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 I'd like to think so anyway. You know what I mean? She did. She stayed in touch with me. She emailed me a few times. She helped me out with a few things as well. After I had my brain injury, um, she, she helped me out a few, with a few things, just emails and stuff like that. But, you know, I, I appreciated her help, you know what I mean? Yeah, spot on, mate. So, so, you, so 15 then, is this when you, you start amateurs at that point? 
So no, no, I was I was amateur. Oh, look, I was in the gym from age seven, and uh, I had my first fight when I was eleven. I got my medical card, so my boxing card when I was ten, because we got told that you could fight in Wales when you're ten. But I was always really light, so there weren't anyone to fight in Wales at the time. Uh, with my age being being as light as I was, I think I had my first fight at about twenty eight kilogram, which is about I don't know about four stone or something like that. It's pretty pretty light it's anyway. Awesome. Yeah, 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 and um. Anyway, uh, what's it called? Uh, I um, yeah, I ended up getting my first fight when I was eleven, um, and then it went on from there. Um, for age fifteen, I got dedicated, which was a difference. The difference was it went from an hobby to this is what I really want to do. I said I was sick of being the class clown, if you will, at school. I didn't really want to be that anymore. Um, everyone was like, "Oh, Kevin's really hard. He's a boxer." Even though I was like fucking four foot two or something, you know what I mean? But um. Yeah, I what's it called? I got dedicated to boxing. Um, I actually lost a little bit of weight because I put a little bit of weight on when I was about 15. I was eating a lot of burgers and chips and just sat there playing on computer games, Grand Theft Auto, Need for Speed, you know. And uh, I what's it called? Uh, yeah, I got uh, I got put a bit of weight on, then I got it all back off. I went to Borsha ABC uh, from Berry ABC to Borsha ABC. Um, went to Borsha. Ronnie Efron was there. Who was my age, Ronnie? was a top fighter and um, I, he, he sort of inspired me and motivated me a little bit to start working hard because I wanted to be where he was and um, it become a nice, like a, a I don't know, it, I, it was always something what I'd um, inspired to be like, he was someone who I inspired to be like in the gym and um, I got to there, I got to the same point as Ronnie, Ronnie were winning everything, I started winning everything, fought for England um, when I was 17, uh, junior ABA national final, age 16, won the junior ABA's um, national finals in um, 2007. And um, then, uh, yeah, I, I beat everyone. I beat Michael Conlon, I beat um, Tommy Stubbs, I beat fucking national champions week in, week out. And uh, I just started beating everyone. And I had this mentality where I can't be beat. And then the term pro when I was two, uh, in 2008, after I won the ABAs, after I won the GB Three Nations, champion of Great Britain, and uh, I thought, I've done everything I need to do. I, I want to turn pro, so I turn pro. And I thought, let's go, you know what I mean? And um, no one really believed me. I, I don't think at first. They, they thought it was a good fight, but it was all saying to me, stay on for the senior ABAs and try and win an ABA title because it, it holds more weight with the promoters than that. But I weren't interested in listening to that. I was like, look, uh, I've done what I wanted to do. Um, take me sparring I want to spar some pros so I ended up sparring it was Paul Edwards who went on to win a British title at flyweight and I was only flyweight when I turned pro was it 8 stone 18 year old 5 foot 2 skinner and I uh, went over to spar Paul Edwards and uh, uh, I, I don't I, I, I don't think he'll mind me saying that I smashed him up mate and um, I, uh, I, what's it called uh, I started sparring Paul regularly he went on to win a British title then I sparred with Chris Edwards before my debut. So Chris Edwards was from Stoke. He's, he was 42-year-old and I think he died of an heart attack, you know. And um, he was a top fighter. He was a really aggressive fighter. Come forward. Um, he, he had a really good work rate. He threw loads of punches and I got in there with him and um, I think I think I nearly knocked him out. And um, they was like, wow, this guy can fight, you know what I mean? And uh, I, that was he won the British title the day before I, I boxed my pro debut. Um, he won the British title against Wayne Bloy at Flyway on Sky Sports the night before I made my professional debut. And I made my debut, uh, age 18, fought a lad called um, Gary Shield. 
Gary Shield was 0-7, but Gary Shield, it, it fought. Ian Napper, who was a European champion. Uh, Jamie McDonald, who was a world champion. Scott Quigg, who was a world champion. Um, Paul Edwards, British champion. Chris Edwards, British champion. I think Ashley Sexton or something like that. Um, anyway, uh, Don, Don Broadhurst as well, he fought. Anyway, none of them stopped him. None of them stopped him. And I remember saying when I said to Steve Wood, who was my manager at the time, I said, look, I'm going to knock him out. And he went like, I said, no chance. He said, I'll bet you 300 quid you don't knock him out. I said, listen, I'll bet you 300 pound that I do knock him out. Anyway, I got in there and I knocked him out in the third round and I was buzzing, mate. I was really sure. Yeah. And a bonus. <laughs> yeah, I got a bonus, mate, yeah. So, mate, you've done loads of my work for me there because I had all that scripted out. It's brilliant. Yeah. So, we're at the point now where we got you go, after your debut, you go 12 unbeaten, don't you? And yeah. Next one for the Central Area title, the one you talked about with the postcard, yeah. um, and the English title eliminator. Talk yeah, us through that one. Yeah. So it was funny because I was training with Bobby Rimmer for um, my first, my first, it would be my, I'm trying to think now, my first, first 11 fights to train with Bobby Rimmer in Manchester. Bobby is like um, a father figure to me, even though I've got a father. He was like a father figure, took me under his wing. Uh, I had my pro debut with Bobby, went right up to 11 and 0. But then I couldn't get so I couldn't get sparring in Manchester, which sounds daft, really. But uh, there were no one who could spar with me, even though there was like the likes of Crawler, Murray, uh, Joe Murray, John Murray, um, Femme so there was always Gallagher. And sort of like Gallagher's gym was like, um, it was like uh, a re you couldn't really get into Gallagher's gym to go and spar, you know what I mean. So um, at the time, I uh, I was like, look, I need to spar. So I ended up ca- contacting her, Ashley Fiafane on Facebook. And I went down and I, I, got, a, I got two trains down to, uh, it was called Wetford in London. And um, I went down there and uh, I turned up and I walked in. It was like a, something out of Rocky too. I walked in there and um, it was full of like uh, loads of uh, big, big sweaty guys just hitting speedballs and they all stopped and looked at me. Because I come in there, a little, a little boy with a little bag there. And um, I went in and I went, I made to spar Asher Fiafane to the, uh, the entrance. They were like, you're here to spar the British champ. Like that. Everyone stopped and looked and they're like, shit, yeah, I'm here to spar him. Like that. So anyway, I walked in the gym. I met Spencer Oliver, Don Charles. Um, uh, I think Derek Chisora was training there at the time as well. And um, I had, um, what's it called? Uh, I was uh, I sparred Asher Fiafane. I did about... 16 rounds with him and um they was like wow this kid can fight you know what I mean so I met them there and then I come back and um I what's it called uh I, I ended up contacting a lad who I know it, um in Ireland who was friends with Paul McCloskey and I wanted to go and spar Paul McCloskey because he just fought for the WBA world title against um uh, against Amir Khan and I thought I want to test myself and see how good I am because I knew I knew how good they do with Ashraf Fiafane we were a British champion at light welterweight, and I was only a lightweight, really. But um, I, what's it called? I wanted to see how, how good I was, so I went over to... I actually got, got in touch with John Breen, and I said, um, I'm going to come over, I'm going to fly over. Well, I don't think they took me serious. So anyway, I turned up, I was in Belfast uh, Belfast International Airport, and um, I, I rang this number for John Breen, and um, he's like, who's this? I'm like, it's Kevin Farrell, uh, I'm here to spar with uh, Paul McCloskey. Anyway, what do you mean you're here to spar him? I said, I'm at, well, I'm at Belfast International. I told you I was coming. Uh, all right, sounds like that. So anyway, they come and pick me up. And um, I walked in. And um, I remember the song, what was on. 
the radio at the time. It was called, um, it was one of them Sean Paul songs. Uh, oh, oh. <laughs> I remember going into the, um, going into the, uh, yeah, going into the gym, and it was red hot. It was the the gym. It was the old gym above the pub, which where all the legends are trained, Eamon McGee's and everyone. And um, I went in there and I was sweating from the armpits, and uh, I was like, "Wow, this is this is a bit of me. This I love it." I went in there and uh, they told they told me I, could, I were too small to spar Paul McCloskey. So I'm like, "All right, whatever you say." I'm not asked, like you know what I mean. But I, I sparred. I sparred everyone. Uh, everyone come to spar the Manchester kid. So then, anyway, I come back home after having a good little week of sparring. I sparred Eamon McGee Jr., who actually, he actually, he got, he actually got um, murdered. Um, it's Eamon McGee's son. He got murdered. He got knifed. And um, RIP to Eamon McGee Jr. He's a, he was a top prospect and he was a spit out of his dad's mouth. He was a southpaw, great boxer. And uh, it was top sparring. And I loved it. And then when I come home, I was sat on, I, I mean, I'll be sat on the toilet and I'm like thinking to myself, I need to be where I need to be pushing myself and sparring these top fighters. And I'm not getting it in Manchester. I weren't getting it in Manchester. I thought I need to get it. So um, that's sort of what took me over. So, so I ended up parting company with Bobby, uh, even though we're still good friends now and that. Uh, he, he, Bobby trains Brian Rose, who I just signed up recently. And um, yeah, uh, I ended up going over to Belfast and... Um, I was staying at Eamon McGee's dad's house and Eamon McGee's dad weren't there. Obviously, he'd passed away, but I, there was an empty house there in the middle of Ardoyne in um, the middle of Belfast, which is probably one of the roughest, notorious ghettos in Belfast. And it was mad. It was mad. I'll be honest, like, there was riots at the time. There was, like, cars on fire at the bottom of the uh, at the bottom of the street. And I was going out doing my run in the morning thinking, fucking hell. I hope I, I hope I don't bump into anyone because if I bump into the wrong crew here, I'm fucked. Anyway, um, what's it called? Uh, I loved it and I went over there, sparred, everyone sparred me. And then Paul McCloskey were fighting Manuel Perez. And Manuel Perez, because I know my boxing and I knew my guys at the time, he was uh, five foot seven. Uh, he was unbeaten. He had a draw with Brandon Rios. So he was a really good fighter. And um, I said, I went, look, um, I'm five foot seven and I throw a lot of punches. I'll be perfect sparring because what happened is Peter McDonough, um, the, the Cinderella man, Peter McDonough, was meant to be coming over to spar with McCloskey that week and he didn't turn up that week and he said he's not going to be there for a few weeks. So I'm like, I'll, I'll jump in, I'll do it. Anyway, I got in there and uh, I remember, and Paul McCloskey will say it himself, I remember giving him an hard time in sparring. We only did four, four, four rounds and six rounds. That's all we used to spar. We used to do that every day. And he used to, and I loved it. And I was in there every day, sparring every day. I loved it. And um, uh, yeah, so then I ended up, um, Dave Caldwell, signed with Dave Caldwell. When I, when I moved from Manchester, I ended up uh, moving to Belfast uh, for 10 months. Uh, Caldwell was managing me and, um, uh, from the Hattons. And um, Caldwell said, look, I'm willing to roll the dice with you. Because I was like, look. Don't get me a fight with a journeyman because I don't want to fight a journeyman. I would just, I would just have to push myself to the limits because I've come from fighting like the best amateurs in the world, like your Michael Conlons of the world, who went on to go to the Olympics twice and medal and world amateur champion. I'd beat him, and then I've gone to fighting journeymen when really I wanted to be fighting British titles straight away. But obviously, I, you know, at the time I didn't understand the game, and uh, I learned the game. I learned it fast, 
Um, and I wanted to I wanted to roll the dice myself. I wanted to see how good I was. So when Dave Cowell signed me up, ended up getting me a warm-up fight on a Cal Froch undercard when Froch fought Lucian Beauty. I boxed on that undercard and that was surreal. It was min I was in the I was in the it was in the in the ring at quarter to five, 15 minutes before the doors opened. So all my people didn't even get in on time yet. But I remember fighting Jason Nesbitt. Obviously, it was only a journeyman, but it was just it was just a warm-up fight for the area title fight. And um I remember dropping him heavy in the second or third round. And I, and I was I remember thinking, wow, the size of him we were like 10 stone 12, yeah. And I never fought bigger than what nine stone nine before. So I'm seeing the size of him. I looked across the ring and I thought, wow, they've put the wrong guy in the ring. So I started laughing, thinking, oh, that's the wrong one. His back's massive. I can't be fighting him. Anyway, went to the center of the ring and it was that, oh, I'm fighting this guy. I'm thinking, fucking hell, he's massive. You know what I mean? Anyway, uh, I thought, fuck it. If I'm going to be world champion, it's going to happen for me. So I just put my head down and started fucking throwing bombs. Uh, a bit like Joe Laws, it was. I put my head down and started swinging. Anyway, I, 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 I tagged him on the top of his head and he went down like a sack of spuds. And um, Eddie Irma sat there ringside and I thought, yeah, mate, I've just done the business here now, you know what I mean? But my hands, I couldn't finish him. My hands were so sore. I was whacking him so hard in his head. And his head, it, it was hurting my hands more than his head. My hands were black when I got out and um, they were bruised for a week. And, and John Breen said to me, because I was like, I was probably walking around at 11 stone then as well. And he goes, how are you going to make nine stone nine in four weeks time? I went, listen, if I have to sit in a sauna, I will sit in a sauna. Don't worry about it. I'll make the weight. And as it was, because it was summer, June 2012, I uh, the, the weight fell off me. Because I was in, I, obviously, John Breen's gym's like a sauna anyway. And it was really hot. Um, I was sweating loads. I was losing £10 in a session and, you know, rehydrating, losing another £10 and stuff like that. It, obviously, it's not good for you, but the same is, is that uh, I felt like the, I, I, I was getting called the Brandon Rios of the UK at the time. So I was thinking, I, I think I were clever with it all. I thought, I'm just going to play with it. I'm just going to see how, how, how I can make my face look like a skeleton get in there and then knock somebody out. And it was funny because <clears throat> Joe Elfid had beat Joe Hughes the fight before me. Joe Hughes was my England captain when my box for England, when me, Callum Smith, it was me, Callum Smith, Anthony Fowler, Jazza Dickens, Ian Weaver, John Quigley. Um, there was loads of top fighters. Danny Benson, there was loads of top fighters. And um, uh, Joe Hughes was the England captain. Um, uh, obviously, Joe Hughes is for everyone now. You know, you see Joe Hughes is for uh, Robbie Davies. He's for he's a really yeah. good fighter. Joe Hughes was the England captain, and uh, he beat he got beat off Joe Elfied. And uh, I, they said to, I I not watched one tape of Joe Elfied before I fought him. I didn't know what he boxed like. You know what I mean? All I know is that he sparred Frankie Gavin uh, before Frankie went to the Olympics, and he was meant to be pretty good. He was a bit of an handful. It beat Joe Hughes, and I thought, whoever it is, I'm going to walk him down and I'm going to knock him out. And it's simple as that, you know what I mean? So I, worked, I, I, didn't, I didn't prepare for the fight or I prepared myself for what I was going to do. I trained so hard. There were no one who trained harder than me. And still to the day, I've had the gym for what, seven or eight years now. I've still never met anybody who can train as hard as me and go on what I used to do. I was up at four o'clock in the morning, every morning running eight mile, you know what I mean? So anyway, um, when I ended up fighting um, Joel Feeder, I, I did exactly what I thought I'd do. A 21-year-old, I walked him down and I knocked him out in the fifth round. And um, I think it was the fifth or the sixth. It was one of them. And body I, shot, I actually right? went... It, yeah, body shot. And it actually went quicker than I thought it would. 
because I thought I'm going to get him, but it's going to be eight or nine rounds. But I, I remember hitting him thinking, bastard, I've only got you with half a shot there. But it was half a shot what was good enough to finish him, you know what I mean? I remember he leant over to the to his left and put his right elbow up. And as he did that, I could see his ribs and I thought, you're done, mate. Like, I hit him. But I didn't feel like I fully connected, but I got him and uh, I hit him on the sweet spot and um, that was that. That was that. And then that text you, like you had one more and then it was the, the crawler build-up, yeah? So I meant to go into the prize fighter, um, but through personal problems going on outside the ring, um, my team, uh, which was um, Dave Caldwell um, and um, John Breen and Eamon McGee, John Breen and Eamon McGee said, look, you're starting too late. It's taking you three rounds to get into it. So if that's three rounds done, you're out of the competition. He said, like, you can't start slow with this. So they went, look, uh, just do a six-rounder. Keep, like, just, just to stay active. And then we'll do the uh, English title fight, which was on the cards because I won the English title eliminator. I didn't know it was meant to be Tommy Coyle, but Tommy Coyle um, went a different avenue, different route. He was 13 and 0 cent champion. champion. I was 13 and 0 cent champion. champion. I got my six-rounder in, did my six-rounder. I actually got a cut on my eye. I had seven stitches on my eye through an head clash. And um, that healed up. And um, I was like, look, whoever it is, let's go like that. And he was like, um, it, it, it was like, there was Derry Matthews, Tommy Coyle, uh, Anthony Crawler, um, Gary Sykes. There was like four or five names put in an act to me. And um, Dave Coyle said, I've got you to fight. And I was like, right, buzzing. I, I thought it was Tommy Coyle. I said, look, I'm gonna, I can't wait to shut his fucking mouth for him. You know what I mean? Anyway, um, he, he, he said, no, I think you're on the wrong lines, Kevin. And I went, right, right. Sound, he went, I said, so it's either Derry Matthews or Anthony Crawler. I said, it's one of them. I was like buzzing. It's Anthony Crawler. It's Anthony Crawler this. I know it is. But me and Anthony Crawler, we've been friends since before we, we come across each other in the pros. He used to come and watch me amateur fights. So when in 2007, 2008, I, I used to look up to Andy Crawler as a 6-0, 7-0 professional. And um, and he used to watch my amateur fights and come and support me. And um, as it turned out, you make your, your idols your rivals. And that's what happened. And I thought, mate, it doesn't matter who it is. I'm going to walk through them. And I'm going to knock them out. You know what I mean? So, and I went into there. Um, I probably changed the tactics a little bit in that fight where... John Breen asked me to do quantity rather than quality. Now, I normally look for quality, whereas I say I'm looking to knock him out. But then what happened is in the fight before, which was the 14 fight, I was I was loading up a little bit too much. Whereas if I just let the shots go a little bit more, I probably would have gotten a stoppage against the kid. But then as it was, I was holding on to the shots. So when I was sparring for the crawler fight, um, I weren't, I, it, was just, it was just all about let's throw fours, fives, six, sevens, eights, tens, just throw everything at him, throw the kitchen sink at him and just keep throwing and you'll and you'll break him down. Um in the fight, felt like look, it was a good 50-50 fight. It were it were close, close, really close. Uh, the scorecards on two of the cards didn't reflect the fight. It was actually Terry O'Connor's card which was six four, which was which which he actually had that right there. I'll give him that one. He had that one right. And um if I scored, I thought I won the fight uh, before the decision was announced. I thought I won the fight. Then, obviously, what happened? Um, my brother jumps in the ring. John Breen jumps in the ring. John Breen puts me on his shoulders. It puts me down. I'm claiming victory, but I can't even barely hold uh, my hand up. I'm like just sagging over the top of him. 
he put me down and um, my brother was in the ring and he, he put his hands on my shoulders. He said, you won that fight, Kays. Like, oh, I know, I, I, I just looked at him and he went, are you all right? And I went, I think it's there. And it just felt like the room was spinning violently, violently fast. And I felt like I was on like some sort of merry-go-round that went too fast. And uh, then I remember collapsing. Um, I then the next thing I remember uh, was being in the corner and the doctor uh, was shining a torch in my eye. Uh, it was a it was a, a Scottish doctor shining the torch in my eye. I'm like, Karen, can you can you can you respond, Karen? Can you and, I, and there was no response from me. And my brother, uh, I looked at I was look, I was looking, I looked, um, I looked very unwell. And um they put me on a stretcher, put the gas and air on me. I'll be honest, I from from that from that point, I can't remember the ambulance trip. My mum said that I was fitting in the back of the ambulance and um, she was shouting at me, saying, your dad's going to be fucking unhappy with you. You better fucking pack it in, you know what I mean? You know, like anything to sort of bring me around. And um, I got to the hospital. My mum and there was like, I was, unco- I was, I was unconscious. Um, I was, I was uh, under scans, everything. I had the bleed on the brain. My mum had to fill out a form to say, look, uh, if, you, if, if, if you, your son's head doesn't stop bleeding, uh, inside the brain, uh, we're gonna have to uh, drill into his head. Can you sign this form so we can drill into his head? Anyway, she had to sign the form. Um, everyone's shitting themselves, and um, they come out. The 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 blood were dispersing, which was a good sign. They kept putting me on the scans every hour. Blood's dispersed. Um, I wasn't conscious at all this time. I didn't have a fucking clue what was going on. And then I woke up the next day, and then there was my brother, my dad was at the side of the bed. And um, my mum, obviously, and my, my older brother. And um, my, I remember looking at my... I said to my brother, I said to our Nathan, I said, what was the scorecard? I said, have you got my belt? I said, have you said I've got my belt? And he went, nah, because it's bollocks, he said. I went, what do you mean? He went, you didn't get the decision. I went, oh, fuck off. I went, joking, man. And he went, um, nah, I said, like, what are the scorecards? He went, you don't want to know. I went, fucking tell me what they are now. <laughs> You're like 98, 93, 98, 92. I like, fuck this, fuck this. Like, I thought I might, have not, I might as well not even been in the ring, you know what I mean? But it is what it is. It's boxing and that's what it is. And uh, But I love the sport. So no one could actually understand when, I've, when I'm in my recovery. All I want to do is watch a bit of boxing. I've got my iPad at the side of my bed. Can't get on my bed. I'm in my bed. I was bedridden for eight weeks. And all I wanted to do was watch a bit of boxing. And then I'm watching these knockouts and it was like ESPN fight night or something like that. And I was like, Nay, come up here now. Look at this for a knockout. And he's like, fucking hell, you sick cunt. He said, like, I can't watch this shit. I can't watch this shit. And I was like, I couldn't understand why he couldn't watch it, but I love the sport. I love it with my heart. And um, I, I, if anything, I loved it even more. Even, even what happened to me, I loved it even more, but I crave something. And what I crave is success. And the success I crave is not not um, doing all the shit what I've been doing. I've been doing all that shit, and I love doing that anyway. That's great. But I really, really, really want to have a world champion, mate. I want a world champion. I crave it badly. And I went to a Frank Bruno night um, the last few years, and it, sort of, it was a bit disappointing because he was like, do I, right, Frank, you've worked hard all your life. you raised that WBC title over your head. How does it feel? And he was like, nah, not really that good. And I'm like, what, you dick? I'm like, this is bang out, boy. Like, Fuck you, Frank. What's this about? You know what I mean? Anyway, um, 
he was a bit disappointing that he said that, but I, I'll be honest, until I taste it myself, then I'll say, you know what I mean? Then I'll know, you know what I mean? But I need to find out for myself whether Frank's telling the truth or not, you know what I mean? Let's go back Go back to the hospital. What was the aftermath like? How did your family react to all that? So you're sat there with your iPad watching your, your boxing still. What about your mum and dad? Are they are they going, Kieran? My mum my mum was put on um, antidepressants at the doctor's. I Nathan bloomed up to 15 stone. Um, my brother, my older brother, uh, he, he he just cracked on with it. But I know that he he, he was he, he was affected. Affected my whole family, mate. My dad was well. You know what I mean? Like my dad had a drink and that, and he was like, you were fucking fuming with the sport. It, they all fell out with the sport because they they felt like not like the sports to blame, but like I don't know, like like I've worked hard day at day. day I used to I used to be that dedicated. If it were pissing down outside, I had a treadmill. I bought a treadmill when I was 15. Like when I said I got dedicated, I bought a treadmill when I was 15. That was in the front room, the living room at my mum's house. And all they heard was at four o'clock in the morning was boom, 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 boom like that. Cause I was pounding the treadmill and all that hard work and everyone believed in me. And I believed in myself. And I'm like, it's done. It's a done thing. This this is easy. All I gotta do is put the work in. That's the easy bit for me. I'm gonna be world champion. I'm talented enough. I'm aggressive enough. I've got the the our vicious, our vicious in the ring, uh, and there was just nothing stopping me. Um, and then that happened, and that was the last thing what you could ever think was gonna happen. Any fighter now will tell you the same thing. You know, well, you don't think that you're gonna go in the ring, and that could be your last time in the ring. Uh, I didn't think it at night. Um, I still believed that I could fight after it. I didn't actually know how bad the injury was till probably. Four months later, when I went back to the hospital and they said, look, um, they're surprised that I walked through the door by myself. And I was like, because they thought I'd be getting pushed in by a wheelchair because I couldn't walk. I couldn't walk. I couldn't actually walk for like two months, you know what I mean? It was mad. It was bad. Like the injury was bad, you know what I mean? I was like stiff and couldn't do any. I couldn't do a lot of things. I couldn't use a knife and fork properly at first, but it, it was just, just through how fit I was, this is what the doctor said anyway, just through how fit I was, I'd like something like 24 beats per minute, my heart was just like, I was like, I didn't need oxygen to live, I was that, I was that fit, and um, he, he just said through your fitness and your, and your youth, that's what took you to this point now, and this is why you've recovered so well, and I'll be honest, when I look back, me will now, in 2013 when I opened the gym, I was still polar, 2014, I was recovering, and in 2015, when I got my manager's licence, I was pushed there. My missus said to me, why can't you do it? And I was like, fuck it, why can't I? Why can't I do it? And I thought, let's just do it. And she was like, why can't you get your promoter's licence? I'm like, you can't just do that, you can't just do that. And I thought, she went, then I thought, then I sat down and I thought, you know what? I can just fucking do it. Fuck it, let's just do it. You know what I mean? And then uh, I got my promoter's licence. 2016, uh, I left it six months because I thought I want to make sure when I do my first show, it's the perfect thing. And I uh, did it a week before my birthday. And uh, yeah, I was 25 year old, done a professional management, professional promotions, professional coach, and I'm, I'm doing good, mate. You know what I mean? So I think what you said there, and listen, I can't say the doctor's wrong, by the way, but you said the doctor said about your, you know, your, your, your physical fitness. I yeah. think you've got some serious mental strength, mate, from what you've been talking about. Yeah. I think that. It's probably what pulled you through, mate. Yeah, well, I'll be honest. I feel I feel like, you know, like when you're on about placebo effects and stuff like that, where you tell yourself something and 
um, you believe it. Like if I give you a, a vial and I say this is magic potion, you believe that you're going to get really fit and that. Um, then I, I sort of played with my own head doing that because I, I always believed, Will, that I was all right. I thought, look, I, I, I'll come out of hospital and I thought, well, fuck it, I'm going to have to move up way out because the weight making is a bit hard for me. So I'm thinking to myself, I'm sat in my bed while, while I cut the move um, and I'm pissing in a jug. And um, and I'm thinking to myself, well, I'm just going to move up to 10 stone now. So like my mum and dad were coming in with a cup of tea for me or anything. I'm like, yeah, don't worry, mum. I'm going to move up to 10 stone. Um, Tyrone Nurse is there. He's my friend and that. But, you know, like it, business is business. You know what I mean? And she's like, what the fuck is this kid about? You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, do, do you know, they all know what I'm like anyway. You know what I mean? So um, yeah, I just... Uh, I'm just buzzing to be doing what I'm doing now, mate, to be fair. Right, let's move on then. Let's move on to what you do now. So uh, yep. so you've talked about Bobby Rimmer before, obviously Brian Rose yep. as well. I spoke to both yep. them last couple of months. What a duo yeah. back then. Yeah, what, what a duo, mate. There was a oh, duo man, back in, in 2008 when I met them. There was a duo then, mate. <laughs> mad. I, I just love, I love the banter. I mean, I'm talking to Bobby about him and stuff, and then he's going, yeah, but let me tell you about Brian. Let me tell you this story. So listen, yeah. it feels right now. So what I'm saying is, I think, well, mate, you're making moves. So you've got Brian. So you're doing it at both spectrum. So if you think, I'll just mention two names for now. But there's plenty yeah. more. But you've got Brian Rose. You've got Patsy Joyce, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Both end of the spectrum. You've got a season pro. Um, yeah. And there's a question later on from one of the viewers about that. And then you've got Patsy Joyce, who could be, what, anything, couldn't he? Let's be honest. Little Patsy, little Patsy Joyce, uh, I'll be honest. He has took the bull by the horns, mate. I'll be honest. If you want to, if you're talking about the pandemic, and if you want to know about one person who's took the bull by the horns, everyone in the boxing vicinity knows who Patsy Joyce is. He's all over social media, mate. He's a top kid, you know what I mean? And I like it. You know what? I actually set him off doing that, you know. I said to him, I'm, I'm going to build the Facebook page up and that. We just like this, share this, do this, yeah. Then all of a sudden, I got bombarded. Like this, Kieran. Do this, Kieran. Share my page, Kieran. I'm like, fucking hell, man. You know what I mean? You're br brutal, but I, I like him. You know what I mean? So I always give him a call and that. We always stay in touch. And um, he's a top kid. I like him. And uh, I wish him all the best. Patsy Joyce, a good kid, 33 and 0. And, and who knows how far he can go. He's, only got, he's doing really well, though. I think he's going to tell me, mate. He's coming on in a couple of weeks. So um, yeah, that's good. going to be really interesting, mate. But um, yeah, that's great. Yeah. So, um, right. Where does this dream finish? And I say dream because of what you've been through. This is like, yeah. you, you wouldn't yeah. have ever thought of doing this, would you, if you were still boxing? No, it's not. I'll be honest, like, it's like when you think about training fighters and stuff like that, that, that was never meant to happen till maybe, till maybe when I was 45 year old. I was one of them guys who wanted to be like Bernard Hopkins. I was fighting till 50, you know what I mean? But um, yeah, the, the training and all that, it never really meant to happen till later on. But um, as it is, you get you, you you play the cards you dealt and um that's what I'm doing and um I don't know where the dream ends. I'll be honest, I'm in it for the love of the sport. I love boxing. I can't say that. Look, give me ten million now and I'm gonna stop doing it because I'm not. I'm not gonna stop doing it. So uh, if I make ten million, then I'm not gonna stop doing it, mate. You know what I mean? So um I just you know what? Probably I probably put I probably put nine point five million back into boxing, mate. That's probably what I'll end up doing. I probably end up getting finished by my missus and everything because I, I've wasted all the money, mate. I, I've said. Oh, look, I need to put in some purse bids for uh, this big world title fight, you know what I mean? <laughs> but, yeah, no, I don't know where it ends, mate. Um, I, 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 I'll be honest, I'm just enjoying the journey. I've got plenty of goals. Like I say, I want to get world champion. 
Um, maybe start with Amy Timlin winning that Commonwealth title this year. Um, she'll win that Commonwealth title, get Brian Rose to fight with her, Scott Fitzgerald. Hopefully he can win. He can, he can, I, I think, I think Brian's good enough to beat him. Um, and Brian's got the fire in his belly again. And it's hard for me to explain that to anyone because all it is is people will just think, all right, he's finished. He's he passed it. He's just looking for a payday. Brian Rose, he doesn't need the money. He wants to, he, he, he's just, he, Whilst he's not been boxing, he never said he were retired. Whilst he's not been boxing, he just is um is it's affected his mental health and everything. He needs to be fighting. He still needs he still needs it, and um it's gonna do him the world of good. And hopefully we can make this fight with um Scott Fitzgerald. Scott Fitzgerald's got it all to prove. Brian Rose has got nothing to prove. He's just got to get in there and box. And uh, we all know what Brian Rose is capable of doing. Um, if Brian Rose boxes behind his jab of think he can jab his head off, I'll be honest, like, um, and keeping Scott off him is going to be hard enough, but the big if is what, what Scott, which Scott Fitzgerald do we get? We get Scott Fitzgerald, the madman, or we get Scott Fitzgerald, the guy who's, I don't know, like, who can box, box really good, you know, we don't know which one we'll get, so it's a test for Scott, and uh, Brian Rose is ready to dance, mate, you know what I mean? Well, mate, I was about to say, all right, we'll finish there and we'll go on to the, the questions from the viewers and you've just answered one of them, mate. The first question was, uh, great news on the side of Brian Lyon, can you deliver in the Scott Fitzgerald fight? So you've just answered that. So let's all... Hopefully, yeah. I, hope I, I, I hope to deliver it, mate. That's what I'm here for, caring for promotions, hoping to deliver the big, the big fights, mate. You know what I mean? Can't wait for that one, mate. Uh, next question then, bud. Um, Tower... Must be a big fella, this this guy. Uh, what's the sales pitch to fighters when you want to sign them up? Depends who it is, really. You know what I mean? Because I'll be honest, I've I've had like since obviously since signing Brian and and signing a couple of other fighters, I've had um, I've been unindated with the amount of people contacting me, and I don't advise people. I don't recommend professional boxing to people who have not boxed amateur before. But then on, on rare occasions, it, it can be done, you know what I mean? Um, um, this If you look at, um, what's the kid's name now? He's a kid, um, heavyweight, English champion, what's he called? Oh, um, uh, yeah. A white collar, he's done all white collar, hasn't he? Yeah. yeah. Um, Fabio Wardley. Fabio Wardley, mate. Fabio Wardley's at, on a rare occasion. So I, I feel unfair to say, look, Fuck off, I don't want to say that to him, you know what I mean? So, like, it is what it is. What I have been saying to him is, look, we'll have a look at you. I'll have a look at you when, obviously, when I can open the gym again, you can come down, give me a message, and we'll have a look at you. Um, that's all I can say for now. Um, but, yeah, my pitch, signing fighters up, look, it's all different. It's like Brian Rose is different than uh, Niall Fielding. Niall Fielding is different than the kid who's never had an amateur fight. You know what I mean? So it's all different. Um, but look, it's about being busy. It's about fighting and living life and doing epic shit. And that's what life's about. It's not just about... Life's just not about sitting there watching everyone else's shit. It's about going doing your own shit. And the difference is what I've always found, Will, of what I do and other people do, is that I actually do and they don't do, they watch me do, you know what I mean? And 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 that's all I can say. Um, my advice, uh, my advice to anyone with the um, with the dream of boxing professional and stuff like that is go and do, go and do it, you know what I mean? Go out and have and do it. Whatever I go and find find somebody with good um knowledge and 
prevail on. You got to push yourself. You know what I mean. You got to push yourself in life to get anything you want. You got to push yourself. So that's it. Last question, mate. You ready for this? It's a big one. Go on. What's your top three chocolate bars? <laughs> top, top three chocolate bars. Oh, right. So this is a difficult question. See, I normally have this with the broom biscuits, but the broom biscuits, I, I like chocolate obnubs, you know what I mean? So um, they're biscuits, though. Right, let me think of bars. So the best bar you can buy is actually called the Fox Classic. You, you get multi-packs of, like, 10 or 12 of the Fox no, Classic. Mate. Mate, no, they are the best. The Fox Listen. Classics. Go on. <laughs> that is proper bet. That is basic, basic, isn't it? Fuck right, well, well then, then, then I'd say a Cadbury's caramel would be a, a go to a go to chocolate bar if I was going to get a, a bit of a munch and I'd get a, like one of them one pound twenty bars and buy that bar caramel um, uh, Cadbury's caramel, and then my third one it might be a bit underrated this, but um, I'd say a toffee crisp, mate, a toffee crisp. Yeah, nice like bar. You know what I mean, like a lot of people, I like, it's just it's just a bit underrated. I think you know what I mean. Do you want uh, my dog? It's hard to say because I can't really say my top three because I'm like, a, I, I eat, I'll eat anything in the cupboard, you know what I mean? Like, Yorkie bars are nice, but they're like, I don't think they exist anymore, do they? You know what I mean? I'm not too sure whether they exist. The Yorkie, Yorkie bars. raisin. Yorkie raisin is the one, isn't it? That was a good one. Uh, I don't like raisins. <laughs> I can't stop it. Oh, man. Well, you've got, a, you've got a 